Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Terrence Howard. My mother was the cornerstone of our family. She shaped me as an actor, a musician, as a human being. So when she was diagnosed with colon cancer, it was like our whole family got cancer. And she died when she was only 56, so this is personal. Now hopefully my heartbreak is your wake-up call. Colorectal cancer is the second leading cancer killer, but you can prevent this disease. Screening finds precancerous polyps so that they can be removed before they turn into cancer. I've been screened. If you think that you're at an increased risk like I am, ask your doctor when to start screening. And if you're 50 or older, get screened. I don't have my mother anymore. So please, do everything that you can to stay around for yourself and for your family. Screening saves lives. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. I'm your host, Joy Keys. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter.com slash Joy Keys, and you can become a fan on Facebook. Just look up Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. And also, I am on Instagram now. Yes, lots of cool pictures. Hey, tag me in a photo. You might win a prize. Um, today, I'm going to be giving away my guest book, so um, stay tuned on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram to see how you can win a copy of today's guest book. Um, today's guest Wow, we have poet laureate Yolanda Wisher on the line, and uh, I, I just want to let you guys know you're in, a, in for a real treat when you read her book um, or if you see her in performance, um, and you're going to have to listen very carefully. You might want to bring your dictionaries or your encyclopedias with you because she'll get you. <laughs> um, good morning, Yolanda Wisher. Good morning, Joy. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for taking your time. I know a lot of times Saturday is the time to sleep in. Um, so thank you for waking up and, and being here and present. <laughs> sure thing. So um, right before we started, uh, wow, we had a whole little conversation before um, we even got open to you guys, the audience. Um, but one of the things we were talking about was arts and education. And uh, we both felt that it was a, a very important for children um, Yolanda, you want to talk to the audience about maybe your first experience with the arts? Sure. Um, you know, I have to give a lot of love to the, the folks who raised me for that, um, who, you know, weren't necessarily artists themselves, um, at least professional artists, but saw something in me and really encouraged me as a young poet. Um, and the schools that I was a part of had a really interdisciplinary focus. So as a poet, I was also exposed to music um, and visual art, and I was also an athlete. Um, and my mother was particularly instrumental in, you know, pushing us to be well-rounded. Um, she wanted us to be Renaissance women um, and be able to do it all um, and at some point kind of choose a focus. 
Um, but very early on, I was encouraged as a poet um, and nurtured. Uh, people gave me copies of Shakespeare's sonnets, anthologies, and uh, Phyllis Wheatley and Alice Walker. Um, and it was always, you know, arts and poetry club was a big part of my middle school and high school experience. Um, so, you know, in my adult life, you know, being able to visit schools as a teaching artist um, in Philadelphia and having worked with a lot of schools through my work with the Mural Arts Program, um, to see schools that have no arts programming or no music or even, you know, not even a sports program um, is a really far cry from the way that I experienced education um, when arts was, you know, a lot more integrated into the program. Yeah, same as I was mentioning to you earlier. I went to a uh, arts uh, elementary school, and uh, actually, when I got into high school, because I was in the gifted program, I was able to choose some option, and I yep. chose theater. So I was yep. able to perf- perf- go to theater. I went to um, Society Hill Playhouse, which is uh, down near South Street, um, off of uh, what is that between Lombard and South, uh, and um, that was a great thing. And we would go to schools performing. And, you know, sometimes these are the first time kids saw a play, mm-hmm. saw black yep. Latino kids playing in Shakespearean plays um, yep. at that. You know what I mean? So it was, mm-hmm. it was an eye-opener. And that the power of language, I think, in terms of reading, mm-hmm. um, poetry, writing, is so um, intense. And it can bring a light to someone's mind, something that they weren't thinking about before can pop into their head from reading, um, possibilities pop into your head from the poetry. Um, That's one of the things that I mentioned to you before we started is uh, the little twists and turns you have uh, in your poetry, the titles. Uh, One of the cool ones was Imhotep's Kundalini. You want to elaborate on uh, who Imhotep was and what is Kundalini? Because some people may not know what that is. Wow. You know, Imhotep is a really interesting figure um, in terms of, you know, the things we think about in terms of modern medicine, philosophy, um, mathematics. Um, He was kind of the original scholar kind of on the level of like a Plato or Aristotle in terms of like, you know, these original thinkers. Um, and he's kind of seen as the founder, you know, one of the founders of modern medicine. Um, a lot of the theoretical underpinnings of our society can be traced to Imhotep. Um, and Kundalini, of course, is kind of, you know, I kind of became exposed to it through my work with yoga, um, that kind of, you know, deep core power, um, that can be kind of sexual and creative. It's, a, it's about an energy center. Um, and so thinking about if you could tap into the center, that energy, pleasure, uh, intellectual energy of somebody as great as Imhotep, a great mind like that. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of black culture black culture and intellectualism that comes from that, that center. It's a spiritual center, but it's also a sensual one. Poem is a lot about Du Bois. Um, W.E.B. Du Bois, um, another great um, African-American thinker, scholar, um, but closer to our own time. Um, And trying to work out, you know, as a black studies major, uh, which I was an undergrad, I'm still still a a student of black literature and and history. Um, My relationship with Du Bois and other folks like Booker T. Washington or Marcus Garvey has, has changed and 
and ebbed and flowed over the years as I've learned more and more about their lives and their work. Um, and so I was trying to capture something of that, the contradictions of um, some of these, these folks that we, we put up on the pedestal um, and, and what they really mean to us. Um, that poem is also a sonnet. It started out as a challenge that a student um, had challenged me to write a sonnet. Uh, we were kind of in a sonnet battle. He challenged me, and I was able to get one line out. And then later I was like, i got to finish this because I can't let this kid get the best of me. You know, But it wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. that was probably the beginning of me starting to write sonnets in a more enjoyable way than the way I was taught in school. And writing sonnets about subject matter, I think, that was a little unconventional than the traditional sonnet themes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One of the lines, that the, well, the last line, it says, sometimes I wonder if you double agent on the page or mastermind of our ordered rage. And I was mm. like, ooh, that was like, <laughs> that was like Mike Tyson punch right there. Like, really? You trying to say that the boys was a double agent? Oh, we can have a good debate here. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it made exactly. me like, sorry, yeah. I get, I got energized. You know, <laughs> I'm a little bit of a nerd. My audience knows this. I'm, I'm a little bit of a nerd. Um, um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Um, but what, what, uh, one of the other things you also talked about, which um, is pointed to today, is you wrote a letter to America, you know, mm-hmm. kind of questioning. Um, I mean, the book is a little older. It's not, not 2016. She didn't write it in 2016, but this stuff is still uh, valuable and still uh, relevant. Um, but the letter to, you know, America, and one of the lines in there I liked was a uh, line, purple moons on my eyes. She has a lot of beautiful, uh, almost romantic, mm-hmm. if I will, um, lines in her poetry that talk about but hard-hitting issues. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, what what mm-hmm. inspires you? Um, you? I know you're talking about, you know, black culture. You're talking about things that you grew up with. But what incites you to write? Like, is it like you see the bird, you listen to the radio, you're driving in the street? What incites this poem out of you? Uh, you know... Yeah, sometimes it is the birds and sometimes it is the music. Um, it's my way, poetry for me is my way of processing life. You know, some people are visual artists captured on a canvas or in a photograph. For me, I'm thinking about language, you know, overhearing conversations or people might say something. And for me, it just is like a portal into a deeper plane of thought. And I need to go there in order to be you know, renewed. I need to go kind of drink from that well of beauty and inspiration and mystery in order to feel like I'm being fully human. Um, And so poetry Mm -hmm. to me is a way of kind of working that out on paper, like for myself, but then it's also a way for me to be like, hey, y'all, look at this. Look at this great understanding I came across. Or, you know, maybe we should be talking about this subject or look at what I just learned about, you know, myself. And Maybe there's a collective experience in there that, you know, we can all share, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, poetry for me is just my lens on the world. It's, it's the way I process. Um, but it's also, you know, um, it's a way to share. It's a way to share the beauty that I see. Because I know I don't, you know, not everybody is having time to stop and hear birds or have a secret dance party by themselves over here by this tree. Um, <laughs> right, you know, right. so... You know, I'm also trying to bring that that pool of water, that pool of energy and inspiration, you know, to people who need to to drink from it too, just like I do. You know, 
Um, mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. always been in me. That's been my, my main way of, of looking at the world. Uh, one of the other poems that I liked in there, uh, and the analogy was the, the notes from a slave ship. And I thought bus ride, I wrote next to it, bus ride, train ride. And it made me think about, I used to catch the train from Broad and South all the way to Broad and Omni because I went to Girls High. Mm. And mm-hmm. each stop had it, it had its own personality, you know. Yep. So it was really cool to see this poem because I could totally relate being on there. And then, you know, you're talking about the 57. I know about the 57 mm-hmm. bus, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, 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 and Broad Street. And, um, and then just the fact of being on the bus packed like sardines on the slave yes. ship. Yes. Like, wow. Well, this, yeah. Like, <laughs> well, this poem is like, you know, it's not the first of its kind. You know, there's like a, a tradition of, I feel, in like black literature of these subway and uh, bus poems. You know, I kind of shout out Essex Hemphill, whose birthday is today. He's one poet who had kind of written about, you know, what it's like being black on forms of public transportation. Um, and then I think Major Jackson, another poet with Philly Connections, has also written about SEPTA and kind of moving through the city that way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't have a, you know, I don't, I have a car. My husband uses it most of the day. So most of my way of getting around the city is on foot and um, by train or bus. And it's interesting um, just the crossroads of life that you get to experience getting on a bus and, and then transferring to another bus and going to a whole different neighborhood. And there's, it's kind of like Elijah Anderson talks about in his book, Code of the Street. There's all these different codes of conduct and how you're supposed to carry yourself and, and comport yourself in all these different neighborhoods. Um, and you can be a fly on the wall and just see all kinds of interactions and subtle, subtle uh, conversations happening, um, whether they're, they're verbal or nonverbal. Um, but there's also something about this urban experience that we all inhabit together and share that for me was reminiscent of that picture in this, in this social studies book, um, which, you know, a lot of us remember back in the day when the textbooks and they used to have the slavery unit, there was always a picture of the slave ship, like the cutout, mm-hmm. and you could kind of see how everybody was in that boat together. And for me, it was always a real shameful moment to experience because it was like the one time we talked about black culture in the classroom, and it was always this, look at these people shoved into this little box. It almost seemed... It was inhuman, you know, and it it mm-hmm. gave me a very clear sense of the dehumanization that came with slavery, but also the kinds of boundaries it put up between people um, and allowed people to kind of lose their sense of connection, whether it was family or tribe or just a sense of a nation of, of black folks or black culture. Um, and some of that you see on public transportation, like even on the day we kind of keep to our little box and our little space and we don't dare touch each other and we don't dare kind of cross those lines of conversation or, you know, uh, we're afraid to speak to one another, you know. Um, oh, no, no, wait, so, wait. i got to hold up on that, Yolanda. Hold up now. Unless Nene's on the, on, the, on the bus with her cell phone talking about, yo, nigga, you know, why oh, you come goodness. to the home? Yes, yes, what? No, I told yes. him the card is in the back. The card <laughs> is in the back. Lashonda, can yep. you put him on the phone, please? Yep. I don't want yeah, to hear everybody, all your conversations. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or, as I say in one of the poems, you see, like, people reprimanding their children in ways that you wouldn't necessarily do in public. Um, yes. But that's I hate all that. part I of hate the experience. That. 
you know, and for me, I can't ever go back to that. I can't go back and wouldn't want to go back to that experience of the slave ship. But what happened in terms of human connection and our sense of being related to one another, um, to Missy with, um, you know, struggle and just tragedy and, and, and horror um, has really created. And I'm, all, I'm one of those people who's on the side that, you know, yes, yeah, slavery happened centuries ago, but we're still being affected by it. And I feel like there's still a school of thought that's like, oh, it has nothing to do with modern life today. Um, and I don't think those connections are easy and black and white to make, but I think in poetry you can explore kind of the nuances of the symbolism and how they might open some, some doorways of thought into like, wait, wait a second, how are we still kind of caught up in that, that web that was created hundreds of years ago? I know how we're caught up right now. For me, my personal opinion is um, the, the, you know, the prison industrial complex. To me, that mm-hmm. is slavery. People there are getting money to bring people into these buildings, to, to store them, if you will, in these buildings, stacked mm-hmm. one on top of the other, and to get them mm-hmm. to work for pennies. And once they get out, they owe money to this prison. Yep. And when they get out, if they're a felon, they can't get uh, welfare benefits. People don't realize that. They can't get yep. welfare. So they can't get a house. They can't get money. They can't get food. So what are they going to do? Right. They're going to um, start crime again, and they're going to come back. Yep. People do statistics on these things, and they know, yep. okay, Joe Brown is going to get out, but he's going to come back two, three times. So that means two, three mm-hmm. times I'm going to get money. I'm also going to be able to count these prisoners as part of my population mm-hmm. so yep. that my city or state gets more money for my budget. Yep. I mean, so that that's poem my version all of those slavery. comparisons. Yeah, yeah. it is. It is. And, you know, that's, I feel like, you know, when I wrote that poem, it was around the same time I feel like, you know, people were starting to have that conversation. You know, and I was working at Mural Arts where, you know, we would work with young men in the juvenile justice system, young men and women. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. that pipeline starts really early. And it also has a lot to do with, I think it's about space. You know, a lot of that poem is about the, the notion of space and how space is really influence the way human beings interact with one another. And, you know, I, I learned a lot working at Mural Arts in terms of how art could, you know, really help spaces evolve to really fit the kind of human interaction, positive human interaction we want to see. Um, mm. And, you know, when our schools look like prisons, what do we expect, you know, um, from the behavior inside or from the, 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 the life inside of people, right? How do we expect people to really feel and evolve and grow in place in spaces um, that aren't that don't have beauty that don't have love uh, tied to them um, that don't have a sense of freedom kind of inherently built into the infrastructure. Yeah, definitely something to think about, um, and that's why like mural arts is such a great program. Um, there are a lot of yep. other programs that um, you know the mm-hmm. school district tries to collaborate with. Um, one of the yep. things, another poem, um, just to just to change subjects, is near the end of the book. Um, um, and, again, I'm talking about Monk Eats an Afro. This is by Yolanda Wisher. Um, you start talking about motherhood. And um, <laughs> one of the things that I could totally relate to was um, the, the the gangster, what is that one, the gangster birth? <laughs> yeah, gangster birth. I was like, oh, yes, no, it is not all happy, happy, happy. I remember I was um, going to the, to the um, hospital. I thought my water broke. Well, it did break, but I didn't realize it still had to break. Like, there was still more to come. 
Because I was like, mm-hmm. oh, my water break, cool. Okay, now I'm going into this next phase of it. You know, I'm going to the hospital. I'm in pain and everything. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> All right, I can deal with this. I can deal with this. Then they were like, um, they, they, I'm not going to get graphic, but they broke the rest of my water, which I didn't even know was there. And I was like, oh, my God, the hand of God came down upon me. And <laughs> I was like, my brain split in eight pieces. <laughs> yes, yes. This is gangster birth, okay? <laughs> well, you know, that poem is my that poem is my birth story, which I feel like everybody should, you know, write. Every woman should write their birth story. Um, okay. You know that I wrote that because we were having a home birth. Um, and we decided because we had had a couple of negative experiences with just prenatal visits to the hospitals, and mm. I wasn't really feeling the way I wanted to feel about this experience. Um, and right. I feel like it goes back to the disconnect. It's like we're very we're very disconnected um, as women, um, as a culture, to you know older traditions around birth and what that's supposed to, what kind of messages you know should be passed down and the different ways that women could experience that or have that experience. So, you know, the, I, I had never even really contemplated the idea of having a midwife assist me in my birth. Um, but after mm. having the hospital experience, it, you know, was like, oh, I needed to find another way, and that was the other way. And it was such a beautiful experience, but it was also tremendously empowering. And that's why that, that poem kind of ends the book for me, because I don't think I could have finished that poem without having the experience of motherhood and birth. Um, you know, I felt it made me a much more total person um, inside in terms of my own personal power. Um, it it made me grow exponentially um, as a result. Um, and for me, it was also thinking about, you know, all the ways that we think about, you know, popular culture thinks about gangsters, um, whether it's like Boardwalk Empire or, you know, hip-hop or rappers, you know, mm-hmm. who are all hard. Mm-hmm. And what's what's really what are the really the acts of the radical acts that happen every day in our lives, like birth, you know, every day women are giving birth and, you know, couples are in there facing that, that juxtaposition of life and death to bring a new person into the world. Um right, right. But you know, it's a it's a really deep thing. And so I just wanted to capture my experience with it, which I kinda put in the context of a larger history and culture, you know, um, but, you know, if, of, of slavery and slave ships, but also, like, basketball and Wu-Tang and Stevie Wonder, you know, yes, are all the yes. things that were kind of part of my my birth experience. But, you know, I wanted to capture that, the power that it left me with, and I try to read it and perform it in such a way that <laughs> brings to mind the birth experience and, and, and makes um, it makes it entertaining and something we can all share because it's actually a very private and intimate moment, you know? Right, right. It is. But people make it public now. They, everybody wants to videotape. Everybody wants to be in a the room there, you know, mom, yeah, mother-in-law, yeah, yeah. this, that, and the other. <laughs> and you're like, uh, hold up now. Y'all didn't see all this ever before. I don't know if I'm ready for all y'all to see all of this right, now. Right, right. You got to keep Just because I'm giving yourself. birth, you know? Yeah, 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 it's it's amazing. It's amazing. Um now what are you working on next? Um you talked about you're going to be at the art museum. Uh what talk to the audience about that. 
Yeah, so short term, I'm doing an event at the Art Museum, the Philadelphia Museum of Art, um, in partnership with them uh, for National Poetry Month. So Wednesday, April 27th, from 5 to 8. It's one of the pay-as-you-wish Wednesdays. Um, we're taking over the museum with poetry. It's an event called City of Poetry. It's going to be games, stations uh, that you can visit in the city um, to play word games, write poems. Um, you can also visit take a mini workshop with some of the, the city's great poetry teachers in the art galleries around the museum. We're going to have pop-up poets and random acts of poetry, like, you know, poets typing poems for you on typewriters um, for hire. Um, and, wow. And, you know, poetry catering, a poetry wait staff that's walking around selling, uh, giving away savory poems and healthy haiku. Uh, so it's a lot of playfulness <laughs> with poetry. <laughs> And trying to yeah. engage people in the fun that I think a lot of people who are already who've already bought into, you know, or love poetry, trying to engage a wider public in why we love it so much and why um, it's it's such a, a passionate and fun art to engage in, um, and it's for everybody, you know. So it's in all ages, everybody, um, you know, young and old, uh, family friendly. My band and I are going. My band, uh, the Afro Eaters, are going to be performing with me um, at the top and the bottom of the night, and we're also going to have a great performance by the soon-to-be-formed 2016 Philly Youth Poetry Movement team. So I'm going to be judging the final okay. tomorrow night, and that brand new team will have their first performance at the museum um, on the 27th. So um, okay, yeah, there's a lot of promotion happening on Facebook, and I encourage people to just you know, tune in and, and come check us out because I think it'll be a lot of fun and you might leave the museum with a poem in your hand, you know? Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. Well, I'm going to tell the audience I'm going to be giving away a copy of your book, Monk Eats an Afro. Uh, and um, definitely you guys want to check uh, Yolanda out at the uh, museum, but also she'll uh, be doing things all around the city. Um, mm-hmm. I know you're hanging with poetry today, later today at Maplewood Mall, I think it is. Are you still doing that? Oh, yeah, I'm going to be heading out there pretty soon, setting up outdoors. We're setting up a microphone, uh, and anybody can come with their favorite poem by themselves or somebody else. You can hang it on the clothesline and take one home with you or just, you know, share it with okay. us on the open mic. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> challenge, challenge. Yeah, yeah. Bring it. Yes. All right. So, Yolanda, thank you so much for coming on today, and I wish you uh, much success in the future. Thank you for being our Poet Laureate for Philadelphia. Now, how long does it last? Until the end of the year, right? Two years, actually. Two years. Two years. 2017. Yeah, yeah. So you'll be hearing a lot from me in poetry (laughs) over the next two. So that means you're going to come out with another book, and you're going to come back on the show, right? (laughs) You got it. I like that plan, yes. Okay. All right. That's the plan. <laughs> All right. You have a good weekend, okay, Yolanda? Thanks, thanks again you. for coming on the show. Thanks, okay, Joy. bye-bye. Peace. Thank you, everybody, for uh, tuning in. I just got off the phone with uh, Philadelphia's Poet Laureate, Yolanda Wisher. I'm going to be giving away a copy of her book, Monk Eats an Afro, so you want to check me out at Joy Keys on Twitter. Check out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. Also, check me out or tag me on Instagram, and you, too, could win a copy of the book. Um, next, I'm going to be sing, uh, speaking with uh, South African singer Lyra, so stay tuned in about five or ten minutes for that. And, again, have a wonderful weekend, a wonderful day, and thanks for tuning in. Hi, this is Morgan Freeman. Has anyone ever said you are the picture of health? You look healthy. 
You feel fine, but that may not be the full picture. Colorectal cancer is the second leading cancer killer of men and women over 50. Since it doesn't always cause symptoms, you may not know you have it. The only way to know is by getting screened. Screening can find precancerous polyps, so they can be removed before they turn into cancer. This is one cancer you can prevent. Plus, screening can find colorectal cancer at an early stage when the chance for a full recovery is very high. Talk with your doctor and get tested for colorectal cancer. Medicare and many insurance plans help pay for screening. Get screened. Make sure you are the picture of health. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.